0: Why are we traded? Oh, the wind is up here this morning. Uh, I'll be reading from Psalms chapter 121, and it says, Now I'll lift my eyes to the hills, and whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, and He will not allow your foot to be moved. He, he keeps you, and He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, He holds. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by night, day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time and even forevermore. Amen. We got some announcements uh, this week. It is Dawson Philbeck's birthday on the 11th, and um, thank you for the reminder. It is mine and Kira's anniversary uh, this Saturday, so we made it a year. Oh, we got uh, Wednesday night uh, dinner for kids at 6.30, adults class at 6.45, and kids class starts at 7 p.m. Uh, women's Book Club uh, starts... Uh, this Thursday, October 12th, please see uh, Jessica or Stephanie Keltner if you have any questions. Pastor Appreciation is this uh, next Sunday, uh, and we'll have potluck after church. And October 17th, uh, Couples Ministry, led by Pastor Brian and John Philibeck. It was an awesome time last week. They give away door prizes each week, so... And they give awesome marriage advice and information that was truly a, a blessing. So if you didn't get to go last month, please come this month. And Shop Till You, till you Drop is October 28th. And Trunk or Treat is October 31st. So please uh, start bringing candy. We wanted to have an abundance and overflow of candy and treats for all the little uh, Trigger Treaters. And um, please keep Miss Norma. Uh, in your prayers. And uh, Rex, he's doing a lot better. We, uh, Kira and I got to go up there and see him yesterday. Um, they got the tube out this morning, and he is grateful for ice chips and jello. Um, so he's doing a lot better, but please continue to keep him and Miss Norma and Beverly in your prayers. All right, so as we uh, go into a time of communion, you do not have to be a member to participate in communion, but Scripture does require that you are saved. That Lord Jesus is Lord of your life. And reading from one Corinthians uh, chapter 11, eleven, verses twenty-seven says, "Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup, the, and the cup of the Lord, in verse twenty-seven, therefore, whoever eats of, of this bread and drinks of, of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty." of the body and the blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner drinks judgment upon upon himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep, for if, if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged. but uh but when you we are judged we are chastened by the lord and we may not not be condemned with the world let's pray lord we thank you for the sacrifice of your son we thank you for the body and the blood of christ that through through christ we we are saved through christ we have received righteousness lord unrighteousness not of our own but through the lordship of jesus christ being lord of our lives we thank you for the grace and the mercy of the blood. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23. For I received from you, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the body. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink, it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take of them. Good morning, everybody.
1: As we begin our sermon today, let's open in prayer. God, our Father, we ask that you join us today in your house of worship, Lord, that you fill us with your grace and with your mercy that we so need. Give us your hope and your strength. Jesus, we ask that you be here with us also. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made as we just honored you today with communion. Help us to remember that sacrifice of your blood and your body that you gave for us. Holy Spirit, fill this place today with your spirit. Anoint my mouth and my lips and my mind to speak what God has asked me to speak today. Father, we pray in your son's precious name. Well, it's good to be here today. I know it's uh, Pastor Justin's been busy with weddings and and a hundred anniversary celebration of Big Timber today. So it's uh, good for Logan and I to get a little a little uh, work and, and honor us with serving you guys as your pastors in this church. Also, we're going to begin today with a reading in scripture from John ten, and I ask that you please stand today as we read the scripture. We're going to be in John. 10 verses 1 through 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep By name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, am, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is gospel from John that we read today. You may be seated. So a couple weeks ago, we knew Pastor was going to be gone, so I started trying to think of ideas and and praying about what to, to talk about today. And a couple weeks ago, we had a volleyball tournament in Belfouche, South Dakota. So it was a, a five hour drive, and I was driving the bus, and so it gave me some time to to think and to pray. And as I was praying for people in our church, Pastor Justin with the loss of serenity, and 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 praying for Mel and some other people who are sick in our church, and. And I I felt like God put on my heart during that drive a couple words. And I I quickly got to the room that night and and wrote them down. And those words were unity and trust and prayer. So that's what we're going to talk about today. That Sunday, so that was on a Friday, Saturday. That Sunday, as Pastor was preaching on wrestling with God, he touched on some of those things that I had been thinking about and praying about that our church has been going through big life events, big trials, and tough times, not just little stuff. And as I, as I looked for confirmation, I was like, well, there was one of those confirmations I was hoping God would confirm with me on this topic. And pastor did that. But as I was driving and praying, I was thinking about the tough times that we had gone through this year. And I know Pastor touched on that, like I said before, in 2023, I thought about Sean and her loss of our son Jonathan and the things that we've gone through. I thought about Pastor Justin and starting with DJ, losing, losing him a couple years ago and now Serenity. I thought about Kira, had been battling lots of sickness before her pregnancy, but before that. And I thought about some of the members on the council who had also been going through some sickness and, and trials. And I'm thinking, man, this is like attack on our church leadership. Like, what is going on? And then as I prayed and thought more, I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) There's attacks and trials on almost everybody in our church. And I bet if we went around the room and said, raise your hand, I'm not going to ask to do that, but if we raised our hand, I would bet almost everyone in here could say that this past year has been a tough one. Death, suffering, loss. These trials and attacks are almost on everybody in our church. We know it's been a tough years. And so as we look at unity in those trials, I believe as I prayed that it's the enemy. The enemy is trying to divide us. The enemy is trying to stop whatever progress we're trying to make in our church and as a church body here at Prairie View. I truly believe something big is happening at Prairie View. Small things, small steps are happening with some of our different ministries, with some of the messages that we're hearing. I believe big things are going to happen in this church. And the enemy is trying to distract us from that. Trying to divide us and distract us and take us over here when we should be over here focusing on those things. Spirit definitely, excuse me, the Spirit is definitely moving here. You can feel it during worship some days. Some days more than others. But we can feel it. We have that. We get messages in tongues. People are using their spiritual gifts. That doesn't happen in every other church. And as I went to some different conferences and talked to different pastors and students, the Spirit isn't moving all over. It is moving here. We've got to appreciate that and we've got to to just be thankful that God is moving here. I want to go back to the Scripture and talk about John 10 a little bit. And so the key verse in there I want to draw your attention to is verse 10. And Sean talked about this in couples ministry when we did that last month. And verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In our case, the devil is this thief. He's trying to to rob God's people, us, of what we're trying to do for God. He's trying to destroy what God is building. We can't let that happen. We've got to fight the enemy. And how do we fight the enemy? We fight the enemy with Jesus. And so as we look at John 10, it might be confusing sometimes. Some of it's pretty laid out there. It's like we get it, you know, Jesus said he's a shepherd. But the, the going in and the coming, and the sheep door and the sheepfold, what does it all mean? And so I, well, I had to figure that out a little bit. Never raised sheep. We raised cattle on the farm. So, not very familiar with sheep and what was going on in the Old Testament. But what I found out is that at times the, the sheep were not out in the pasture with the shepherd. At the time, they would be in a, what we'd call a corral or, or holding area. And so, this was called the sheepfold. And so multiple shepherds would bring their sheep in, and they would be, they would be there secure. There would be a wall around them, uh, fencing. Sometimes it was made out of briars and pokey branches and things. But it was some type of containment to keep those sheep in there. There was a gatekeeper who would monitor what shepherd was coming to get his sheep. And we hear in there, Jesus says that he is the shepherd. We must follow him. Jesus says he is the door. In verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And so early in Scripture, Jesus is talking about the robber. The robber comes over the wall, he goes through the, the branches, and he's going to grab those sheep. He's a stranger to those sheep, but not Jesus. Those sheep know that Jesus, who he is, they know his voice. He's going to come through the gate. Verse 3, the shepherd hears his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out so familiar that leader is the shepherd is of his sheep that they know who he is and they're going to follow him verse 7 so Jesus again said to them <laughs> and this is crazy he told them that what's going on he told them I am the shepherd I'm going to lead you I'm going to be your guide and they didn't believe him so he had to tell them again in this short story right he says in verse 7 truly truly I say to you I am the door of the sheep and finally in verse 11 i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep now like i said we didn't have sheep on our farm but we had we had cows and calves and i think there's some similarities there sometimes when it's storming out in the summertime the herd of cattle will bunch together, definitely in the winter time when there's a blizzard, they'll bunch together, if they're in the corral or even out in the pasture, they'll bunch together, and they're doing that to protect each other, to keep some warmth. They're unifying together as that storm is coming. If the shepherd is not there, it can be a mess. It can cause great confusion. Think of the disciples after the moment when Jesus was arrested. There was a lot of confusion. It was a big mess, right? They were scattered. They were hiding. They didn't want to be arrested, also. Peter, when asked, denied Jesus. After Jesus' death, they still were scattered. It took some time for them to come back together, to get organized again, to unite together so they could go out and do the work that Jesus called them to do. We see Jesus as our shepherd. We also look at our our church pastor, Pastor Justin, as a shepherd also. And and we know he's having a rough time. We need to continue to pray for him. He's fighting some spiritual warfare of his own. He's dealing with a tough time with a loss of serenity right now. And I feel now more than ever that we need to be unified together. Not just to support Pastor Justin, but to support each other. As we all go through all of these things and these trials and tough times that we're going through. We need to support each other as a church body because we are God's church body. You know, as we mentioned before, what we're going through, it might be your own sickness. Maybe some physical health problems, some mental health problems. There's a lot of worry and anxiety going on as we worry about others who are facing sickness. Might be some addiction, mental health. It's not us. We know for sure someone else that is dealing with things, that's fighting those same things. Family, loved ones, friends, co-workers. We're stressed about inflation in the budget. How do we put food on the table with the rising prices, gas prices, food prices? There's a lot of stress and anxiety out there. We may de- be dealing with loss or in the process of losing someone. All of these things can cause hurt and suffering. And that's what we've been through this last year. Lots of it. We can lean on Scripture to help get us through those tough times of suffering. Because that Bible is our roadmap. It's our guide of what we need to do. God's Word spoken to us. It's meant to help us, to encourage us, to pick us up when we are hurting and suffering. There's a couple of examples I want to share with you. Two Scriptures that definitely have helped, I know, Sean and myself get through our loss this past year. The first one is Romans 8.28, and then I'm going to read also verse 31 with that one. Scripture says in verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Continuing on in verse 31, or we skip ahead. What then shall we say to these things, If God is for us, who can be against us? In Isaiah 43, 2, another scripture that can help us, encourage us in our time of hurt and suffering. Verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. And we could have a whole sermon just on those two, those two verses. But as I looked at those verses, it wasn't the first time I saw them. The first time I got a hold of Romans 28 is when Savannah's grandmother passed away with her fight of cancer. And I was fortunate enough they allowed me to, to say a few words at her funeral. And as I was going through her Bible, there she had 828 with a pen, draw a square around it that she prayed, and then again, when one of our members, Candace, passed away about a year ago, and I was fortunate to be able to speak at her funeral and was able to look at her Bible, and she had the same verse marked up in her Bible, 20, Romans eight twenty-eight. So it should give us hope, should give us comfort that. God, of all things, is working together for our good. That is hope in there. And for those who are suffering with the the toughest thing they can suffer with, there's purpose in God's plan for us. So, as a coach, you guys know I coach and teach, and as a coach I'm looking for little motivational things that I can share with my players sometimes. And and I found this little saying, and I don't even remember, I I don't even have who the quote is by, um, I, I as I looked at it, I, I think I found it somewhere, maybe from world history stuff of, of depression era stuff. I'm not sure, but I don't have a source. But um, it says, "Tough times don't last. Tough people do." We are going through some tough times. Remember, they're not going to be forever. It's a season, and it's going to end. But If it makes us tougher, and we come out the other side of that tougher, and we increase our faith, and we get in the Scripture, and we read Scripture more, and we find Jesus through all that, that makes us tough, and we're going to last through that. So, the title is Unity in the Trial, so let's better talk about unity, all right? And so, as we looked at the cattle and the sheep being scattered and lost, we don't want to be like that, scattered and lost. We want to be unified together, unified as one body in Christ. Jesus is going to be our guide. And so unity is important. And as I was researching a little bit, I came across an article that talked about a Christian's reasons for being unified as a church body. And it was, it had a lot, a lot of reasons and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there were three of those that I want to share with you. Number one, it said unity is seen as a reflection of the unity of the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that as the Holy Trinity. That is one of our declarations of faith for the church of God. So that is important. All right. Number two, when Christians are united, they can work together more effectively to fulfill the mission of the church, which includes spreading the gospel, serving others, making a positive impact in society. Unity enables Christians to pool their gifts and talents and resources and efforts to achieve a common goal. right? And, Number three, the third one I like to share, says unity promotes love and fellowship among believers. When Christians, excuse me. Excuse me, I got a rotten cold going on. When Christians are united, they are more likely to support and encourage one another, bear each other's burdens, and build meaningful relationships. This sense of community and mutual care is an important aspect of Christian faith. Two and three really hit me, and as I, as I read this article and, and thought about, man, what do I see in our church? I see a lot of this, you guys. Making a positive impact, Unity enabling our gifts and talents. I, I know about a year ago pastor was big on talking about spiritual gifts and encouraging us to examine what are our spiritual gifts and use those gifts. If it's speaking in tongues, if it's interpreting tongues, if it's being a worship leader, if it's being a musician, whatever it is, find out those gifts and use them because it helps edify all of us as a group. It makes us stronger together as a group because each one of us is different and unique. We have those talents. And I love in the third one, United Christians are more likely to support and encourage each other. I've got some great stories I'm going to wrap up with at the end, and and that is evidence of what we're doing here. Bearing each other's burdens as we go through these tough times and burdens, reach out to each other. It does create meaningful relationships. So as we look at unity, I want to keep talking about that just for a little bit. In the New Testament, Paul, man, he talks about unity a lot, and I would imagine because he started a lot of churches, and there were some challenges as he started all these churches throughout uh, the, the new area that he was working in. And so there's a lot of Scripture that we could talk about Paul, and I want to share just a few of those where he is talking about unifying the church together. First one is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to kind of bounce around in here. It's a common story, so we're going to read 12 to 14 first. The Word of the Lord says, For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jew or Greek, slave or free, all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And so that story goes on to talk about the next couple verses about the foot and the ear and the hand and the eye, how they all work together, right? And so you probably know that, so I'm going to skip through that. But I want to look at the last couple of verses, 25 to 27, of that same chapter 12. Beginning in 25, that there, be, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. What great encouragement, right? We are all one no matter what. Together in our suffering, in our rejoicing, in our sorrows, in our excitement, we can come together as Christ church body to edify each other, to support each other, to encourage each other and to love on one each other, on another when we go through those tough times and in the good times. Unity is so important to Paul. Like I said before, he's talking about it and he's urging unity elsewhere in his letters to the churches. And I want to give just two more examples, or a couple more examples. 1 Corinthians 1 and chapter 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Apparently, the Corinthians needed a lot of encouragement because he writes a second letter and in 2 Corinthians 13.11. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace and the God of love and Peace will be with you. And the third one I want to share is from Philippians chapter 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. We learn from Paul and I believe what our church needs right here, right now, is this aim for restoration. We need that comfort. We need that peace in our suffering. We can be united with the same mind in prayer and in loving the Lord and loving each other in our hearts as brothers and sisters in Jesus, our Savior. Now, I to talk about unity. Well, how do we get there? How can we find that that unity and hopes in the midst of our daily trials? And next is trust. Gotta talk about trust. Dealing with trials in life is hard to, hard to understand, excuse me, especially when they're very difficult trials of our life. The season that we're going through. When trials come as humans, we typically have lots of questions. Why is this happening? Sometimes we might even say, What did I do to cause this to happen? Sometimes we say, We question God, and we say, Why, God, are you doing this to us, doing this to me? It's hard to see God's intentions and plans for our lives, but you've got to know He's got a plan. It's there somewhere. It's not for us to see sometimes, but it's for us to trust that God will provide. This is where trust in God comes in. There's so many places in Scripture, again, I want to share some examples here a little bit, where we can find the strength to maintain our hope and faith as we learn to trust in hard times. So I'm a big person of confirmation, and I I always look for little confirmations. And I know in May I talked about little victories sometimes, and seeing these little confirmations that we, we, we find that God is providing. And and even with these sermons every week, I look for little things of confirmation. And I'm going to share a story later about that. But when we see those confirmations and we spend time in prayer, and deep prayer to God, that's where we're going to get those things. And when we get those confirmations, that's when we've got to start saying, okay, God, I'm going to put a little more trust and a little more trust and a little more trust. In Psalm 143, verse 8, Some scripture on trust. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. And here's one Isaiah 55. And I I know I had this and preached on it before. But it's very powerful. And it's definitely something that I keep going back to. I pray this verse many times, looking for clarity, looking for direction. And in Isaiah 55, we're going to look at verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts God's ways are always higher than ours. It's not up to us to understand, even though we so desperately want to know the outcome, we want to know the ending always. But God has a plan no matter what the outcome is, and we've got to follow that. Because what it looks like in the trials and the tough times is that God's always going to bring the glory to him and the end. Always about him. The spotlight is going to be on God. He's going to make those things happen. And we don't see it. But maybe we don't need to see it. We've just got to trust. Going back to that sheep story in John. We see trust in there. And so I was looking in my study Bible, and I want to quote what my study Bible said about verse 8. It said, It is to be expected that the sheep will not always understand their shepherd's leading. They did not know. They just hear his voice and they go because they trust where their shepherd is going to take them. Sheep just follow. That's what we learn in John ten today. Sheep just trust the shepherd will keep them safe. That he will feed them. He's going to take them out to the pasture where they've got good grass to eat. There's going to be water. There's going to be shade, and he's going to bring them back and keep them safe. God does the same for us when we don't see it. He's always doing it. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. We've got to trust, and it's hard to trust. Believe me, I know, because I'm very stubborn. Savannah probably would say that. Sean would say that. I like to control things many times. And I don't know, maybe this as being a teacher and a coach for 20-some years. You've got to make decisions all the time, and you've got to be in control, and you've got to be quick about it. I pray that I'm not so stubborn, and I pray that I'm not always in control, and, and God is, is funny about that as he's directing my life right now, and I, I trust in him that he's going to do that, but I still struggle with trust. It's hard. So we're in September, we're down in Hedinger playing a volleyball match. It's our first region game of the year, and is a, a pretty decent team this year. And we're playing, and it's hot in there. It's, it's early September, and it was probably 110 in the gym, and the girls are sweating, and we, we lose set one and set two very close. So we're down two to zero. And in volleyball, you've got to win three sets to win that match. So being down two to zero is very, very difficult to come back. It doesn't happen every day. The team I have this year, they're, they're a bunch of fighters. And they, they fight not with themselves, they fight for the game. They have passion for the game, they get along. Many of them are in FCA, so I know their faith is very strong. And they just said, yeah, we got this. we going to keep playing. And they kept playing hard. And we won set three. So now it's two to one, right? And we kept fighting and we kept fighting. And as a coach, you want to get out there and you want to, you know, encourage and you want to yell and scream and tell them what to do. And, and you want to direct every little thing. And again, back to that control thing. And I just kind of said, okay, I just need to sit down. They've got it. They know what they're doing. They're doing everything we've done in practice They can handle it. I don't need to be up there yelling and screaming every two seconds. And as I sat down, I got a sip of water. I felt the word trust just overwhelm me with God speak, just that word trust. And I'm sitting like holy cow, Lord, you've never talked to me during a volleyball game. What's going on? This is pretty crazy. (laughs) So I'm breathing and drinking my water and all the games going on. I'm like, holy cow. Settle myself down and, okay, God. This is about trust that we're going to win this game, right? This is about trust. And so, you know, I, I, we went through it, and they came back, and the girls played well, we ended up winning. We come back and won, and it was, it was, it was a big win for us. And, but as I have prayed about that moment, and as i prayed about the word trust since then, it wasn't just the trust for that temporary moment of volleyball game. It was, for me in my life, things I'm going through right now that I've got to trust God even though I don't see the path that's going to happen in front of me. I don't know how all this hurt can go away sometimes. I don't know how people in this church are going to be healed. I've got to trust Him. And so I've been trying hard and praying hard at trusting God. But remember, God's never going to fail. He's not going to make a plan that's going to, that's going to crash and burn he has never failed. He will never fail. He is always victory. And as we look at the Old Testament story after story, we've seen it. We see Jesus in his ministry in the New Testament rack up victory after victory after victory and it end with the final victory over death in the grave, right? That was huge. And it still isn't done. We, we could sit here and, and share stories and, and testimony where Jesus is working in our lives, Remember, there's enough evidence for us to read in the Bible and put our faith and trust in the Lord. Going back to Romans 8.28, according to His purpose, we've got to trust. So one more verse on trust before I move on. This is from Proverbs 3. And I think Pastor Justin got this one to me when I was struggling. And I read it. A few times a week, it's that important. And my intention is I hope it will help you and help edify you and give you some hope. We're going to go to Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. It begins with, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And so today I call on our church today that we unite and that we trust. And as we look at those two keys, there's one piece, there's one key that's going to make those things happen. And that's the last thing I'm going to talk about today and that's prayer and the power of prayer. And first Thessalonians 5 Some short little things, but look at this, you guys. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God and Jesus Christ for you. Pray always in whatever we're going through. If it's good or bad or trials, joys, and sorrows, we've always got a prayer. Take our prayer to someone who can do something about it. Which is Jesus, which is God our Father. How many times do we just complain about it? We come home and we complain to our spouse. We rant and we rave about all the things that are going on, all the boohoo things. We, we may complain to a sibling that we have, or maybe it's our kids we complain to. Maybe it's an aunt and uncle, or your, your mom or dad or grandparent. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's even your boss. And we complain and we complain and we complain. How many times does that person have, have the power to do something about it? Maybe sometimes they can. But most of the time, we're just wasting our time ranting and raving about stuff when we could be more productive with that time in prayer to someone who can do something about it. We should be spending time in prayer to the far Father in heaven, in prayer to Jesus, our Savior. After all, isn't Jesus our intercessor for us to our Father? We've got to get involved in the book, in the Bible, that book. Praise and worship, no matter what's going on. In our prayer time, we should start with some praise and worship like we do at the beginning of each service. Some peppy music, some whatever it is. Praise God for what He's doing. Because not everything is always bad. There's good things that are happening that we don't always see, that we don't always recognize. And we've got to praise Him because He's still the God of the heavens. Spend time in prayer. Don't just go run to Him with every little thing you need. And yes, you've got to do that, but praise Him first. But I understand as we face these trials, it's stressful sometimes. It causes a lot of worry, especially when we see people that are struggling in the hospital or at home dealing with things like cancers or whatever things. It's difficult to see that. And so, we've got to rely on Scripture again to help us cope with that stress and anxiety. And Philippians 4 tells us what we should do in verse 6 and 7. It says, "...do not be anxious about anything." but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus Christ. Give it to God and he's going to act. He's going to act out, not just in the Bible, but he does it now. In January last year, I don't know, we've talked about this story, maybe, yes, I know, I don't remember. I'm going to tell you it again, though, because <laughs> it's big. As we were driving in January to go to Tioga, and it was a Sunday morning, and we were going to go up to bury Sean's son, Johnny, and we had to get up there Sunday to get things ready for the family service Sunday night and the funeral on Monday. So we left around 10, about the time church was starting here. And we got in the car, and I said, Sean, well, let's pray as I'm driving, and, and she's usually always all about that, and she just was not. She was angry that morning. She was upset. You can't blame the woman, right? And so I prayed, and she didn't say a word. She just sat there, very stiff and very rigid, and, and I could tell she was upset, and I still prayed. And we drove on, and we drove on, and we get about to the, where the dam is, Pick City, Riverdale, in that area. And all of a sudden, just like that, I just saw a weight lifted off her shoulder, and she just looked at me, and she says, man, something happened. I just feel the touch of God. I just feel better. I don't know what happened like well that's awesome you know like we've got a big day ahead of us just got to have some peace today and so we didn't know what happened and so Monday I know some of you guys made it up to Tioga for the service and I was visiting with Pastor Justin about that and he said huh interesting I said "Well, what he said well right after we got done with worship we we prayed over Sean And so we kind of tried to figure out the timeline, you know, sometimes worship and time we get all the announcements. That's about a half hour-ish, 35 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, sometimes 25 minutes. And then they prayed right after that. You guys formed a prayer circle and you prayed over her and it helped you guys. It made a difference just like that. Last Sunday, I went back as we got done with worship practice and rehearsal and I went back to Shirley and I just wanted to check on her. See how she's doing and says, so Shirley, you know, we're praying for you. And you know what she said to me right away? He goes, Thank you. I can feel it. It is helping me get through this. Guys, that's confirmation of how prayer works. I can feel it. What was her exact word? Shirley, you remember knowing. It. She's shaking her hand. It's helping me get through this. When we unify together and we pray together, it makes a difference. Prayer works, it helps break those chains. Prayer reaches God, and He can do something about it. Put your heart into prayer time. So, as we look at unity in the trials, we always got choices. But today I'm asking you to make a good choice. To stand united as Prairie View Church of God. To stand united as Christians, as fellow believers in Jesus. I'm asking you to choose to stand and trust today. Trust the Lord for what He's going to do. And I'm also going to ask you to choose today to stand in prayer. Prayer together. Because we need it. It's important. You can feel it. It will help make a difference. And I'm going to close with one last scripture about prayer. It comes from Matthew 18 and verse 20. "For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am I among them." And so we're going to close today with the altar call, and I want to do something a little bit different today. We're going to play a song called "Trust in God." And we're going to make three separate prayer circles today. And I've talked to Pastor Logan and I've talked to Apple and they're going to lead some of those and I'll lead one of them. So we're going to make a circle and we'll put that circle up over here. If you need healing and prayers for yourself, if you're battling whatever, some physical physical illness or ailments or whatever it is, addiction, whatever, anxiety, stress, worry, if you need prayer for yourself, you're going to come up into this corner in a minute and Apple's going to lead that prayer circle, all right? If you know someone, okay, and we're going to put that circle over here. If you know someone that you've been praying for, if it's a loved one, if it's a family member, it's a friend, whoever it is. I know our list is endless. My prayer list right now, I don't even know where the bottom is. It's so big. We're going to come over here and Pastor Logan is going to lead that prayer circle for those who need. And then the middle, I'll lead that one. We're going to pray for unity and strength in our church. And so not going to make every and you come forward again. It's all up to you. If you want to sit where you're at and pray, that's great. But make a choice to come pray in these prayer circles. And if you want to start in one and pray for something for yourself and you're feeling called to go over there or come over here and bounce around, we can play the song a time or two, whatever it takes. Get in there and pray for God. So again, just to recap, over here, we're praying for. Things that you need yourself. You are battling something, some illness, something that you need prayer for. Over here, we're going to pray for someone you know that you're praying over. In the middle, we're going to pray for unity. Like we said, we've got a lot of them. Pastor Justin needs prayer. Rex needs prayer. Norma in Arizona, dealing with cancer, needs prayer. Where Kelvin fell and, and may have broken his heel. Kelvin needs prayer. Mel needs prayer. And that's just a tidbit of it. Beverly needs prayer. I know a lot of you need prayer. Logan, you want to start that song? In Jesus' name, we're going to pray today. Amen. All right.
0: I want to close with Psalms 34, and it says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out to him, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angels of the Lord encamped all around him, and those who fear him, and, and he delivers them. Lord, that that would be our prayer. Like as the song said, Lord, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Lord, we thank you that you are the God that hears us. You are the God that sees us, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we would bring our troubles, bring our pain to you, Lord, but not, not only our troubles and our pains, but our thanksgivings, our joys, our peace, Lord Jesus, because you are the God of all things. And we thank you that you are the God that hears and sees us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.